Welcome to the Kane Violation. I'm Sam Kane. It's been a minute. Let's dive right into the team we're focusing on this week. I'll give you a hint. Before I get pissed in, run up in the stands like the Indiana Pacers. Run up in the stands, run, run, run up in the stands, run up in the stands like the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers, 13th in the East. They are in complete retooling mode. Of course, they were a part of one of the most shocking trades of the deadline, acquiring Tyrese Halliburton from the Kings. We'll talk about that shortly. Let's focus on uh, each player on this roster. We'll go by salary. So the highest paid player now is Buddy Heald, who was in the Halliburton-Sabonis deal. He is making $22.4 million this year, $20.5 next year, then $18.5 in the final year of his contract. And that is in 2023-2024. So it's a contract that descends um, in salary as the years go on. So Heald is 29. This uh, contract is really a trade chip, I'd say. He has been balling, though. He scored 29 last night against OKC. Before the All-Star break, he had a game where he went 8-for-12 from 3, scoring 36. Amazingly, Heald was racking up assists last night. He had a couple nice assists in a row to Malcolm Brogdon. Now, I know he was drafted not too, too long ago, but uh, he is sneakily almost 30, which is mind-blowing. He's Kyrie Irving's age right now. So, I'd keep an eye on teams, maybe offering a first for this guy. Maybe the Lakers will want him again. They clearly should have done that trade instead of getting Westbrook. Next up, one of my favorite players in the league, Malcolm Brogdon. Same age as Buddy Heald. He's making $21.7 million this year. He's under contract making a similar amount until the 2024-25 season. So they gave him this extension before deciding to go forward with this soft reset or major retooling, whatever you want to call this Pacers rebuild. I wouldn't say it's a full-on rebuild, but, you know, they're switching some things around, obviously, with trading Sabonis. Um, so last night against OKC, he scored 15, was a bit rusty getting to the basket at first. Believe it or not, though, this was only the third game he played so far in 2022. But he got going last night. I love this guy. His biggest downside is uh, really his ability to stay on the court. But he's a high IQ point guard. I thought the Bucks were Looney Tunes to trade this guy away. But it worked out for them because they ended up acquiring an even higher IQ player in Drew Holiday. I'm inclined to say that the Pacers are better off trading Brogdon eventually due to his age. I mean, this guy should be on a contender like the Celtics. Whoops, I said that out loud. But my gut tells me Indiana should wait and keep Brogdon for a few years. You got him under contract for a while. He can mentor Halliburton, which sounds weird considering they were only drafted a few years apart. But I think Brogdon is a culture setter. He can help get these guys back on track towards a playoff berth whether that's next year or the year after, because it sure as hell isn't going to be this year. Now, unless a team blows Indiana out of the water like the Celtics uh, with an offer for Brogdon, maybe like two really good first-round picks, then I'd say go for it. Might as well keep Brogdon for now, though. 
Next up is their longest tenured player. Man, he's still on the team. Miles Turner. This guy has been in trade rumors for the past four years on the Pacers. He's been in trade rumors before he was even drafted. He's been sidelined since January 14th. Yeah, that's my dad's birthday. Um, and uh, Turner probably will not be back anytime soon. I read a report that it'll be a couple weeks, but uh, that's uh, tanking team French for he'll be back in a month. They don't need him. They don't need him back. They're better off developing Isaiah Jackson and uh, giving more minutes to uh, the guy they recently acquired, Jalen Smith. Or uh, or Goga. So, uh, Turner, yeah, expiring contract next year. So, believe it or not, only a year older than Chris Duarte, who was drafted this season. Turner was drafted all the way back in 2015. Man, that was a lifetime ago. Now, I wouldn't completely rule out Turner re-signing or extending just due to his age. He's only 25. So T Turner's 25, Halliburton 21, but I think it all depends on where Turner's head is at because he was clearly pissed off in December after telling the media that the Pacers don't know his worth. So it might actually be a case where Miles is uh, going to request a trade out of there. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's already done that like 10 different times, but uh, the Pacers are just like, eh, we're just going to keep you because, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know Charlotte has wanted him forever. He'd be great on the Lakers, just saying, just saying. Yeah, you know, maybe uh, Lakers throw in those two first-round draft picks that they'll be able to use at draft time. I think they can use their 2026 and 2028 pick. Hmm. Hey, how about this? How about trade Westbrook to Indiana where— uh, I mean, they, Indiana would probably just wave Russell Westbrook or buy him out. But then the Lakers can get back Miles Turner, maybe do a sign-in trade with T.J. Warren, maybe even T.J. McConnell. Hey, maybe they can get crazy and do a sign-in trade for Ricky Rubio. So basically, you just took Westbrook and turned him into three really good rotation players which is basically the reverse of what the Lakers did to acquire Westbrook. <laughs> and yes, I did say Ricky Rubio. He is on the Pacers. Did you guys know that? He was in the Karis LeVert trade on a $17 million expiring contract. Ricky will never put on a Pacers jersey, let's face it. Uh, the trade was strictly to match salaries, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, Rubio has a torn ACL that will sideline him for a while. He'll be a free agent this offseason. I can totally see the Cavs bringing him back, signing him for cheap. You know, he'll, he'd probably miss the first half of the season, but um, uh, the Cavs really seem to like him. He, he was a culture changer for the Cavs. He actually put Kevin Love in a good mood which is incredible. Kevin Love has been pissed off for, like, the past three years. Another guy who's injured and on an expiring contract, T.J. Warren, making $12 million this year, has not played a single game for the Pacers. Now, this contract was looking like one of the best in the league 
back in 2020 when Warren was tearing it up in the bubble. He was playing like an all-star. It's not even an exaggeration. It looked like he completely turned the corner. But then early last season, he develops a stress fracture in his foot, which uh, required surgery. And Warren has not been on uh, the court since December 29th of 2020. So really shame, terrible timing to get an injury like this especially when uh, your contract's about to expire. He'll be a free agent this offseason. I doubt he'll come back on the court for the Pacers. I think it's risky. Warren could probably get a mid-level type deal from a team if he sits out, but if he comes back and plays like crap, then maybe a team will only offer him the minimum. It's kind of like the Isaiah Thomas situation. Now, if Isaiah Thomas sat out... The entire 2017-2018 season, after getting traded from the Celtics to the Cavs, um, I think he would have been offered a substantial deal above the minimum in the 2018-2019 season just on potential alone. He probably could have gotten the exact same deal that maybe Phoenix gave him. But since he came back and uh, looked like a shell of himself... And also was put in a system where his game couldn't thrive. His value just completely tang. So maybe Warren does the opposite of this. Sits out for the rest of the season and hopes maybe a mid-level type deal will be there for him when uh, the offseason hits. TJ McConnell is up next. Probably out for the rest of the year. They extended him last offseason, making about $8 million a year for the next four years. Last year isn't fully guaranteed. I'd hold on to him. He's a good culture guy, can run an offense, can really help you out in a playoff game. He's a rotation player for a playoff team, so hold on to him. Why not? We got Jalen Smith. So as you know, I'm uh, mentioning every player from highest paid descending down to lowest paid. And uh, I've been pointing these guys out each week. Highest paid player to appear in a G League game. And for the Pacers, it's Jalen Smith, which is you know pretty crazy that none of the guys I have uh, talked about before have been the G League. Uh, TJ McConnell, never in the G League. Miles Turner, never in the G League. TJ Warren, none of, none of these. Brogdon, Halliburton, a lot, a lot of the guys, a lot of the high paid guys on the Pacers, even Rubio, just never, never got sent down to the G League, which I think is. It's pretty rare. I mean, even even like decent players get sent down, especially nowadays, uh, unless you're just like such a, a talent out of the gate. But I don't think that was immediately clear with all of these players. Maybe Brogdon, he was Rookie of the Year. But, you know, it, a lot of times like a player will get injured and get sent down to the G League. Marcus Smart, he he got injured his rookie year. He actually got sent down, ended up uh, playing one game for the main Red Claws, now named the main Celtics. So uh, on this team, it's Jalen Smith. He, he was on the Clippers G League team, which I didn't realize the Suns 
players. Uh, 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 I don't. Why? Why did he go to the Clippers G League? That's that's strange. I thought the Suns had a G League team. I don't know. I should I should look into that. But um, Jalen Smith, yeah, give this guy a shot. Let's see what he has. It's a pretty high draft pick, lottery pick. They played him a bunch last night against OKC. Scored in double digits. Um, he's actually scoring double digits every game so far with the Pacers. He's played, uh, I think, five, five games with the Pacers. So he, he scored double digits for every game except the Wizards game. Now here's another stat. Every game where Jalen Smith scores in double digits, the Pacers lose. <laughs> it's a small sample size, though. He uh, He's shooting threes now. The Suns uh, seem to uh, not allow him to do that. It's like if, if he shot a three, then uh, they would put him in timeout. They would, they would put, him in, um, put him in his playpen, like in Rugrats or something. So ESPN notification. What is it? Hamadou Diallo pushed in a fit. Okay, so the Celtics game is actually on right now. I'm recording this uh, on an early Saturday afternoon. The Celtics and Pacers are playing um, the Pistons. I'm trying to read this here. So Diallo ejected after a controversial call for pushing an official. I mean, we can watch this later, but um, Jalen Smith, project, big project. I think the Suns gave up on him too early. Declining a third-year option on a rookie contract, now, this rarely ever happens, especially with a guy that a team drafts in the lottery. I don't even think Josh Jackson was declined. His third year, I think I think Josh Jackson was declined the fourth year of his contract. And then he was a Suns player too. What are the Suns doing? Drafting these guys and giving up on them? Like, nope, made a mistake. Flip flopping on their picks. I mean, thank God they picked Booker and and Bridges. And and uh, Cameron Johnson. So yeah, they they've really lucked out. On hitting on those guys, but God, they've made some god awful picks. Alex Len, not terrible, still in the league. Who's who's that other guy though? That uh, uh I can't even remember his name. He's not in the league anymore. Dragon Bender. Yeah, they uh, they screwed up on that one. So I think the Suns did that as more of a um, financial move. I know they're you know finagling salaries. They got a lot of people to pay. Bridges, eventually Cameron Johnson. They're probably trying to find spots where they save money where they can. So they they just gave up on Jalen Smith. And um, I do think that. The Pacers can use him. I think they can probably just give him a guaranteed minimum contract or whatever next season. You know, see if he reaches his potential. And uh, who's up next? Okay. 
the franchise guy, Tyrese Halliburton. He's on the second year of his rookie deal, and the Pacers basically just stole this guy. He, he could be a star, like a, a, a real star in the league. Um, but, you know, right now, I mean, I, I noticed watching him last night, he'll stop the ball a little too much. The ball's usually in his hands. Uh, he, he gets his assist numbers, I'll say that. He got uh, 11 assists last night, but the the flow is just, you know, a little off. And part of that is, you know, adjusting to a new system, playing with uh, completely new players except for Buddy Heald. And, uh, yeah, that's going to that's gonna obviously take some time. But, uh, you know, I noticed that he'll kind of just hold the ball for a little while. He'll dribble it up, and then he'll he'll pick up the dribble, and uh, he'll look around like, oh, what do I do? Who do I, who do I pass it to? Someone cut to the basket. Why is no one cutting to the basket? Why is everyone standing in one corner of the... There, there was a sequence last night where I think there were four players just standing on one side of the court, just doing nothing. And the announcer, I don't know who the Pacers announcer is, but they, they were getting called out for it. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the offense was really ugly first quarter last night. I mean, I, I know some of it, Brogdon came back for the first time playing with a lot of different new guys, so... Yeah, you know, growing pains. It's going to take a little while. But, um, I, I, yeah, Halliburton, he's got to make some quicker decisions. Um, something he'll just get better at. I, I saw him play in person when I went to the Knicks game with Greeny. He's very flashy. Well, m- maybe not flashy. He has kind of a unique game. You know, it's weird. At times, he looks like he's not that coordinated like he has very ugly shooting mechanics like it it is not a pretty looking shot but but he can shoot he can make threes it's just it's one of those like huh okay It, it, it it's not appealing to the eye but they go in he's kind of lanky he's got a muscle up um only four turnovers last night, like I said, 11 assists. But, hey, you know, Pacers, you went from Paul George. He obviously wanted to get the hell out of there. And uh, Pacers could have easily just said, oh, we're, we're calling your bluff, whatever. Uh, could have kept Paul George for one more year. And then that would have been it. Paul George just would have left in free agency. But instead, the Pacers were smart. And said, nah, we're pulling the trigger now. Trade him to OKC. I mean, at the time, the trade looked awful for the Pacers. They only got back Victor Oladipo. This was Oladipo before he had uh, his big all-star season. Um, Oladipo really fell back to earth. Uh, has not played at all this year. They keep saying, he's, oh, he's coming back soon. He's coming back soon for the Miami Heat. Like, is he though? Do the Heat even need him? I don't even think they do. But they got Oladipo and uh, Demonis Sabonis for Paul George. Sabonis really looked like a throw-in, and then it it turned out that Sabonis was 
the better player. Sabonis is the better player than Oladipo right now. I know the first season where Sabonis and Oladipo were on the Pacers, it obviously looked like Oladipo was going to be or going to have the better career, but you know, Oladipo gets injured, declines. Suddenly, you got a star in Sabonis. Um, I mean, we'll 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 see. I mean, uh, initial reactions was holy crap. Did the Kings really just trade uh, a potential franchise guy for the next like fifteen years for? possibly, like, four years of Sabonis. I mean, who knows? Who knows? We'll see what happens. I know the Kings just want to make the playoffs, um, which is, I guess, all that you, they can hope for. I mean, they're they're a pretty trash franchise right now, let's be honest. They haven't made the playoffs since '04. I, I think they have the longest playoff drought, so... They're not really thinking long-term. They're thinking short-term. Let's just get guys who make us better now. So, I mean, that that's how you end up making some bad trades. We'll, we'll see. I mean, let, let's give it a couple years. Let's see how good Halliburton becomes. Um, another good young player the Pacers have is Chris Duarte, 24-year-old rookie. He can ball. He's probably the type of rookie that a contender would want because, you know, he's a very high IQ, very mature. Um, maybe a little more room to grow. It's kind of funny, actually. You got Malcolm Brogdon, Buddy Heald, and Chris Duarte. So this team has three guys that were drafted literally when they were in their mid-20s. It was a, kind of an interesting collection they got going. Duarte is dealing with a toe injury. We'll uh, maybe see him soon. Doesn't sound like anything season-ending. Then we got this guy. <laughs> Goga. I don't even know how to say his last name. I just call him Goga. Goga Bitadze. I couldn't even pronounce his name when he was drafted. I don't even know if Greeny could either. Um, he is, uh, one of, uh, <laughs> he got, he got an all-star vote from an NBA player. Uh, there was some article, they released, like, all the players, or all the votes that players got to be in the all-star game, and Goga got a vote. That is A-plus trolling right there. Look, I'll be honest, I don't watch a ton of Pacer games. But uh, he, he's, he was barely on the court last night, which is a bad sign, especially considering that the Pacers have a thin front court right now. I've, really, I've not seen much of this guy play. I haven't seen his game. So, you know, when in doubt, you check Reddit. So I did. I did. And, you know, I like lurking on other teams' subreddits. Yes, I actually got banned from the Sixers' Reddit page yesterday for uh, posting something about Ben Simmons. They banned me for posting something about Ben Simmons. It was like, it was some gossip I heard. So I was like, huh, what, 
what community would want to hear it? It was negative gossip about Ben Simmons. I won't get into the specifics. But it, it, it was it was a cross post from another subreddit. And uh, you know, I thought, well, you know, if Sixers fans they hate Simmons, maybe they'll get a kick out of this. Immediately it becomes clear that Sixers fans do not want to read anything about Ben Simmons. Basically writing like what, who cares, man? Who who cares about this? Like, I don't want to hear about this guy. Today's James Harden day. Because, uh, you know, last night was James Harden's first game as a sixer. When actually, Harden did well. Harden did well. Let's see if he holds up, though. But, uh, yeah, a little extreme. Uh, the Sixers uh, uh, Reddit mods just banning me. Maybe they just read my other posts and realized that I was a Celtics fan. I don't know. But, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I was lurking on the Pacers subreddit. Found a quote. Um, it seemed to be a very accurate analysis of uh, Goga's career so far. It's got 19 upvotes. So I'll read it right here. The, uh, the quote was written by... Boxing Doodle. So, okay. Boxing Doodle. I gotta, I gotta do a voice that that potentially sounds like this user. Main issue seems to be consistency. When we go through stretches where he actually gets consistent minutes, his productivity is anything but. He has these small glimpses where you think, man, if he could just do that and only that, he can be a legitimate starting center. And then he goes through stretches where he looks comically bad and out of place. His offense and the defense seems to fall apart at the same time. And it makes him unplayable unless he's having an on game. I think he's unfortunately running out of time to put it together fully and prove he can have a long career in the NBA. It's also concerning that through three separate coaches, no one has felt comfortable giving him any real minutes. Outside of the times where the roster is heavily injured. I understand we had Miles and Sabonis for almost all of that time, but Sabonis was playing a lot of minutes at the four. If Goga had shown the coaches something, I think he'd be getting actual minutes by now. It seems like he's just not figuring things out behind the scenes in practice. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Three coaches, yeah, that that's actually a good point that he brings up. Um, if it, Yeah, that's actually crazy. You guys have had three coaches in the past three seasons? I mean, that... Why the hell did they fire... Um, what's his name? Ah, he's the Hawks coach now. Um, I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, Nate McMillan. Nate McMillan. I mean, they they were doing really well. I mean, yeah, they got swept in the bubble. But it's the bubble. It's just the bubble. Who cares? Who cares? I, that, that, that was just dumb. 
that they did that. But whatever. It sounds like Carlisle. Sounds like uh, Rick Carlisle is actually making a lot of decisions behind the scenes. So I'm sure that's what was really appealing to him coming back to the Pacers. He has a lot of say with uh, the moves they've been making so far. So maybe maybe he likes Miles Turner <laughs> because Miles Turner clearly wants to get the hell out of Indiana. But uh, maybe Carlisle is just like, hey, look, just just calm down, all right? I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the youngsters together. Come back next season, we'll figure it out. Uh, so Goga, I don't know. I I would say this guy is probably not gonna be on the Pacers in two years. He's probably not gonna be on the N- in the NBA in two years. I'd say. I'll tell you about a guy that will certainly be in the NBA in two years. Isaiah Jackson, Dan Greeny's guy. He's from Kentucky, drafted, I think it was like 19th this year. No, no, Goga was drafted 19th. I think he was drafted 21st this year. Now, Isaiah Jackson, he's been unleashed before, but it had been a little while. He was unleashed again last night. So move over, Goga. Isaiah Jackson's in the house. Four or five blocks last night. 17 points, six rebounds in only 22 minutes. This looks like a rotation guy. He's easily a starter if he can do this night in and night out. So I'm glad the Pacers finally got a first-round pick. That's working out so far. They got him and Chris Duarte. How about that? How about that? It's two good first-round draft picks from uh, the 2021 draft. Good for them. I love I love Isaiah Jackson's energy. Uh, he's he's fun to watch. Last night, another guy who um, brings energy, good rebounder, uh, O'Shea Brissett. Believe he's a Canadian guy. He played 37 minutes last night, and we'll talk about why that that is in a sec. So, very little wing depth right now for the Pacers. So, Brissett is naturally getting more minutes, and I'd say he's no doubt a rotation guy. Last night, he could not hit a three to save his life. He went 0 for 5 from behind the arc. Not the greatest three-point shooter, but he is shooting 32% from behind the arc for the season. So, not an abomination. He's not like Killian Hayes. He can he can hit shots. He just couldn't hit him last night. But here's the thing about Brissett. He is a sneakily great rebounder. He actually had 15 rebounds last night. Which, um, I mean, isn't too surprising since it's OKC. They're going to throw up bricks constantly. But uh, still, still, he's had multiple games where he gets uh, double digits and rebounds. And that's pretty good for um, a guy who plays the three for the most part. Now, Brissett is under contract next year as well. It's non-guaranteed, but... Let's face it, it will get guaranteed. This is is just clearly uh, an NBA player that the the Pacers should uh, hold on to. And of course, you know, we we had to save 
the best for last here. In his third stint with the Indiana Pacers, 31-year-old Lance Markham Dance Stevenson. God, this guy's so entertaining to watch. Now, perhaps he's not very entertaining to watch if he's having a bad night and plays on your team. But man, as soon as Stevenson came in the game last night, he just brought so much energy right away. It's it's so clear why he's a fan favorite. And, you know, he's hitting threes and strumming the <laughs> strumming the guitar as he runs back. I love it. I love it. And they even show a close up, and you got fans sitting in the front row, like Pacer fans, and they just seem like so happy that they just witnessed Stevenson just splash a three. Um, you gotta love it. His swag is contagious. And I say swag because it was a popular term when Lance was drafted in 2009. Remember that song, Swagger Like Us? That was, uh, that was back when Kanye was only considered half crazy. Now, <laughs> what, a, what a show from Lance Stevenson last night. At one point... Olivier Saar, uh, another one of Greeny's boys, Kentucky big man, hit Stevenson with a flagrant one at the rim. And Lance was on the ground for a while. You know, he, it, it, Saar was trying to get the block, but he ends up hitting Stevenson right in the face. It, it, was, it was a hard foul. It was a hard foul. But, uh, yeah, Lance was on the ground for a while, and it was funny because you could actually hear his teammates say, Come on, get your three, <laughs> get your free throws, bud. <laughs> so, um, Lance gets two free throws. I guess it's a rule change now where if you get a flagrant one, you get an extra try to make a basket if you miss the first free throw. Well, Lance missed them both, and uh, he shot as if he was annoyed that he even had to shoot them. He just line-drived them at the rim. Like, he didn't even take his time or anything. It was just like he wanted to get them over with. Kind of like when you're, you're like, writing a book report, and you have, like, one more paragraph to write. Like, you, just, you don't even bother, like, really... <laughs> really paying attention when you're writing to you don't even you don't even do spell check to to look over the paper you just submit it like yeah, I just want to get this over with like but at the same time it's like yeah you know you want to take your time you, this could help you out later on it it could have helped them out later on considering what happened in the game this was a close game the whole way through if Stevenson makes one of those free throws could be a completely different outcome. Now, um, and then, oh my god, there was one point where Stevenson steamrolled to the rim. I can't remember what pacer player it was, but Stevenson just not, just like plowed right through him. Got a layup. <laughs> and, and as he's getting the basket, the pacer's player is on the ground in the process. Ball goes in the basket. Stevenson 
just starts flexing his muscles <laughs> for like literally 10 seconds. As soon as he starts, like the ref just throws a technical right at him. Stevenson just he barely reacts to it. Like he he could care less. Like you know, some sometimes you'll have a player like start to celebrate and then he gets a tech and then they'll they'll like be like, What what come on, that's weak. But Stevenson he just didn't care. He's he was just like so in the moment, just steamrolling this Pacers player, knocking him to the ground, getting a layup. And he's just like, yeah, give me a tech. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my muscles flexed. Screw you, ref. So, uh, yeah, Lance is insane, and I love it. Uh, we'll fast forward to the end of regulation here. Uh, Stevenson hits a game tying three. Of course, <laughs> I mean, just, just like how uh, a Pacers fan would write it, and. Uh, and you know he's dancing like crazy, celebrating whatever. I mean, it's it's not like he won the game; he t- he tied it, but you know, excessive celebrating. So he's having a great shooting night. So now we go to overtime. I'm pretty sure Stevenson ended up going 0 for 5 from the field. He took a lot of shots, and he also missed a shot that would have potentially uh, tied the game, bringing it to a second overtime. So, uh, Carlisle, he, he sends Lance to the bench, and uh, Lance is clearly very pissed, sitting down. And, of course, the camera's just, like, focusing on him because they're like, you know, the, the uh, is it the floor director? No, it's uh, the control room director's probably, like, telling his camera guy, like, okay, just keep the camera on Stevenson. Let's see if he does something crazy. Come on, come on, leave it, leave it on him. And uh, you can see Stevenson, like, talking to himself on the bench. Like, he, he's all alone. You even see a teammate coming over. Like, you can tell, like, he's hesitant to, like, pat him on the knee. Kind of like he the, the teammate wants to show his support towards Lance, but at the same time, he's, like, deathly afraid of him. That That's just the complete Lance Stevenson experience last night. I love it. Now, Pacers, keep this guy on your team till he's 40. He, he's just an Indiana legend. But, God, he must drive Rick Carlisle crazy. I mean, how has Carlisle been? Now, there was that article that came out months ago about uh, the Mavs, and it painted him pretty negatively. I haven't heard much controversy, though with him so far this season. Like, I um, I hear that he has a lot more influence um, than uh, what is reported. And uh, that Carlisle, he really has his fingerprints on every move that the Pacers have made so far. But, you know, it's still a disappointing season for the Pacers. Well, yeah, so far... Carlisle coaching the Pacers part two, the sequel, has been mediocre. Speaking of mediocre sequels, our next movie of the week is a follow-up to the 1968 Charlton Heston sci-fi classic. That film is Beneath 
the Planet of the Apes. A disappointing continuation of the series that is certainly beneath the original Planet of the Apes. Now, you know, I've only seen two Planet of the Apes films. I know there's many, there's a lot, but I've only seen a couple. I saw the original Planet of the Apes on Netflix like a decade ago. I don't remember much except for the ending, which uh, really was the only good part of the movie, I feel like. I mean, it wasn't a terrible movie. Um, then I actually saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes in theaters when it came out. I, You know, I wasn't exactly planning on going to see it when it came out. It, it just happened to be during a summer where I worked at a movie theater and... Uh, it, I, I didn't have too much going on. I had I had an internship. It was right before my senior year in college. Uh, in my internship, I only had to go in like for a few hours, like every every day. Or actually, I think it was like it was like four hours, like three days a week. So I, I had a lot of time to kill. A lot of time to kill during the day. And I actually I remember enjoying the movie it it um it it was good i but i i never saw any of the sequels though which is surprising since i really did enjoy rise of the planet of the apes and you know i'll probably get around to watching them at some point my um my wife actually really likes uh binging like anything like tv shows whatnot she also she'll just like binge movie series as well. Like she'll she'll watch like all the Fast and Furious movies, uh, especially when the last one came out. Uh, what was it? Furious Nine. Is that the last one that came out? Yeah, I think it was Furious Nine. She she'll just like she'll just watch them. But yeah, we should probably do that with Planet of the Apes. That would. Not not the original ones. I, I could never talk her into watching the original ones. But the, the new ones, because I think there's three. There's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I think there's War of the Planet of the Apes. And I think there's one more. But all of them have pretty decent ratings on IMDb. I you know, really should watch them. But anyways, this movie... So this is 1970. It's two years after the first uh, Planet of the Apes film. Uh, begins exactly where the last one left off. Charlton Heston seeing a buried Statue of Liberty, realizing that the whole time he was on planet Earth. The audience is like a twist for the audience. It's it's like a Twilight Zone-esque uh, ending. And I think Rod Sterling actually wrote a draft of the script uh, for the original, and this was something he wrote. I mean... It's clearly, like, the the best part of the movie, <laughs> I feel like. So, uh, it's continuing what happened at the end. You got Charlton Heston uh, riding off on a horse with uh, the, uh, the very uh, good-looking uh, Nova woman. Her, her name is Nova. She doesn't talk. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of degrading, I'd say. I'm sure uh, feminists would uh, have a field day with these movies. And uh, we cut to a crashed spaceship. 
with Charlton Heston? Nope, just a lookalike. So a lookalike who ends up being the main star of this movie. I, I mean, I was confused. I literally thought it was Charlton Heston until they show a flashback and the movie reveals that Taylor, that's Charlton Heston's character, actually disappeared. He he just he vanished into thin air uh, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, it's a sci-fi movie. We don't question it too much. You know, but really, I think Charlton Heston was just looking back at Nova and said, "I don't care how attractive you were. You couldn't pay me enough to appear. <laughs> the worst. You couldn't pay me enough to appear for another second in this disaster." So, you know, Heston is gone, and now it's just Nova, the, the half-naked uh, woman who, who doesn't speak at all. And uh, you got a Charlton Heston look-alike, and his name is Brent. Cool. Turns out Brent had tried to land on, well, it's Earth. The planet is Earth. He, he was landing on Earth to try and rescue Taylor, Charlton Heston's character, and uh, crashed in the process, killing his co-pilot. So now Brent is brought to the ape village from the original movie uh, by Nova. Nova says, hey, you know, let's go back to where uh, I was almost killed in the first movie. So at the ape village, we see uh, the, the nice apes, uh, Zira, but also Dr. Zayas, one of the bad apes from the original movie. No Rodney McDowell, though. So Cornelius was uh, not in this movie. I guess Roddy McDowell was filming something else, which, you know, sounds like a typical excuse. Like an actor would say, you know, not wanting to, like, you know, put down a movie, but says like, "Oh, you know, I could, I couldn't come back. That's the thing. I, I was filming something else. I, I wish I could have came back, but I just couldn't. But I think this, this, it was a legit excuse because Roddy McDowell does end up coming back for all the other sequels after this movie. I mean, I mean, who knows? Maybe he just uh, found himself and." financial trouble after Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and that's why he came back for this movie. You know, kind of like Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel didn't want to do Too Fast, Too Furious because he was like, ah, it's beneath me, this beneath me, I'm a star now. I'm not, st- not going to be in this dumb movie. But then, you know, the years go by. The bombs... Keep piling up. I mean, I what did he do? That that Disney movie, The Pacifier? And then Diesel's like, oh man. You know, maybe maybe uh should do another Fast and Furious movie. You could use the money. So uh what uh what do you think happens? What do you think happens? Do you think Brent and Nova walk by the village and, you know, 
just continue on their way, like, oh, look, a village of apes. Eh, let's move on. Maybe uh, maybe we'll find the M&M store buried in the sand somewhere. You guys, uh, you guys know what happens. They, they get captured. But then Zira, the good ape, comes to the rescue, and she, uh, uh, it's, I guess Brent and Nova are in some, some small little prison wagon, and Zira's pretending to, to lock it, whatever, but she unlocks it. So Brent and Nova escape, and they run off. And what do they stumble upon? Well, let me tell you, what... What did 20th Century Fox greenlight to go in this sequel to a box office smash? What was the brilliant idea the writer came up with for this movie? A temple. A temple. Brent and Nova stumble upon a temple. But it's not just any temple. It's actually the remains of Grand Central Station. In New York, ooh, man, who would have known that the uh, Midtown Manhattan train terminal would someday end up in a Californian desert? Oh, but it gets better. There's people inside this temple. And not just any people, though. People that can telepathically interrogate anyone they please. I'm not done. I'll keep going. These people, they're super religious but they do not worship God. Well, they do worship a God, but it's not the God. Their God is the atom bomb. The atomic bomb is their higher power. Oh, and one more thing. They may look like normal humans in this temple, but they're actually wearing masks. What's underneath the masks? Faces that look identical to their masks, but with hideous veins across their faces, which is caused by radiation. So I guess what this movie was saying is that, you know, eventually, uh, you know, I mean, this movie came out like around the, the time where we're worrying about bombs getting dropped, whatever. So it's saying, like, oh, the future is we're all just, you know, shooting each other with bombs, and then, you know, people become stupid and think that um, that bombs are God, basically. Somehow, the ape army realizes that Brent and Nova are hiding out in this temple. And, oh, man, I smell a showdown coming. Then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Charlton Heston appears back on screen. They got him. But I, just, I don't even remember what happens. He disappears into thin air. You know, it's a sci-fi movie. Don't question it too much. And he just, he just appears in this temple. Talking about how he bought a very expensive rug imported from Kanpur and is strapped for cash. So... I mean, all I'm going to reveal about the ending is that it's very bleak, like WTF bleak. Quite honestly, a lot of movies would be better off if they ended this way, actually. 
Like, apparently the budget of this movie was, like, a couple million less than the original, which makes no sense, since the first one actually made $30 million on a $5 million budget. So why would you decide to invest less money in the sequel? If it's proven to be a moneymaker, wouldn't you up the budget a little bit, you know? That's what a sequel's supposed to be. You're supposed to build upon the original movie. Like, uh, you know, Terminator 2. You know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't make sense why they did that. And, uh, you know, it shows that they were cutting corners. They were cutting corners on this. And, uh, you know, it, it made back its budget. And then some, you know, there's 50 million sequels to this movie. Uh, I certainly will not be rushing to see them. I think there's, like, Escape from Planet of the Apes. What else? The Conquest for Planet of the Apes. There's so many. So many different ones. Uh, I remember... Remember back in the day when AMC played much older movies? And they would just have Planet of the Apes marathons. This is probably like... God, it's probably like nearly 20 years ago at this point. I doubt they would ever play these movies again. But they, they would probably play the original Planet of the Apes, but I doubt they would bother ever airing the sequels. Unless it's at like 3 in the morning. So, uh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to give this the Abbey rating. It's nothing special. I thought some of the sets were cool. I, I mean, it's ridiculous idea, the whole Grand Central thing. But they were they were cool sets. I, I, I love those big giant, you know, sets that uh, studios would use for... You know, like uh, underground passageways, temples, whatever. Like you can tell their sets, but you know there's a certain charm to them, and I did like that for this movie. Um, it wasn't like completely boring or anything, but it just was unimpressive. So, yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't rush to see this one unless you. You just want to binge all the original Planet of the Eight movies for whatever reason. So, I'm Sam Kane. Enjoy the hip-hop of the week. Who are you? We are known as the Mighty Avengers. Y'all celebrate the casualties of war If it ain't at your front door 
Titans hyping God of War slash Titan once I'm done writing in the mass Titan
let's move.
tree. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, I'm just a rhyme sayer. Skin protector against the ozone layer. Breakdown 2001. It might be best to be black or just brown.